Welcome, everyone, back to the Entry Level Podcast. I'm Sarah Dudley, here with my co-host, Lindsay Bernard. It's been a hot minute since uh, we put out an episode. We took the beginning of 2020 off to kind of do a little bit of a reset and think about some new series and topics that we could bring to you on the podcast into the new year. However, as we were about to really get rolling, we got some really fun guests lined up. The world got hit with a global pandemic. The last few weeks, I guess even maybe as long as a month now, have been a little unsure and chaotic in our lives and the lives of everyone around us. Things, you know, I'll go through a little bit of just a list of things that have happened in just, I think, even just the last week or week, two. Yeah. You know, this thing has escalated very quickly. And we'll talk a little bit about what this that I keep referring to is, not that everyone doesn't know, but for anyone maybe listening in the future that needs a reminder, <laughs> um, we'll give a little breakdown of, of what this pandemic's all about. But basically, in the last week to two weeks, Everything in the entire world has essentially been canceled. I mean, sports are canceled. Disney World is canceled. Major conferences and events have been canceled. The Boston Marathon is postponed to September. St. Patty's Day Parade is canceled. And if you're from Boston, you know how big of a deal that is. (laughs) Progressively, things have gotten more and more strict when it comes to the number of people that can be in one room. What started out as no more than 500 people in a gathering soon became no more than 250, which soon became, as of yesterday, no more than 25 people in one place. Restaurants are closed officially. Bars are closed. Cruises have been canceled. People are stockpiling toilet paper like they may never (laughs) again. Everyone is working from home. Every business is canceled. Everyone's basically in a state of emergency, if not a public emergency. And some cities are even in the process of completely locking down and putting a shelter in place in process. So church has even been canceled. I mean, come on, you know, when you know it, you're at that level. So this around around Easter time, no, no less. Like, yeah, Easter's probably canceled. Church is having to be virtual. So definitely some interesting things going on. Yeah. So we thought it would be an interesting opportunity as all of us are, are entry level when it comes to a pandemic to kind of talk a little bit over the coming weeks about what all of this means for us, for families, for your job, for your life and the structure of your life when you have to live in your home 24 hours a day, seven days a week for potentially the next like eight weeks even. And so what does that look like in terms of how you're working differently, how your teams are structured differently, what your schedule and day-to-day structure is changing, and maybe some tips on how we can all navigate through that together. And uh, I think just also kind of an opportunity to, to keep track of this because it's kind of it's definitely unprecedented in our lifetimes. And I think it's an opportunity to, to talk about it and share how we're feeling and doing and, and opportunity to get other perspectives on things too. So Lindsay, I'll hand it over to you to, yeah. to kind of give a little bit of a lowdown on how this has affected your life. Maybe tell us a little bit about what coronavirus yeah. is. 
Yeah. So, hey guys, it's it's actually good to be back. Like Sarah, like Sarah said, we both had some crazy things going on at the beginning of the year, starting some new positions. And in Sarah's perspective, she was doing double her workload for a while. And then I ended up traveling for a while. So we were like, all right, let's reset. And, and like we said, we had some good ideas, but this has just hit everyone right in the mouth. Let's be honest. I think there's a healthy mix of a little bit of fear and also being prepared. We'll talk about that. But I just, you know, from my perspective, I actually... I've shared this with all of you on the podcast that I kind of, I pride myself on the fact that I read a lot of independent journalists. I'm not one of those people who follows the mainstream media that closely. And I was really fortunate because I actually follow a lot of people and read a lot of their articles about of journalists who travel overseas and they do, and I'll share some of that. We, and Sarah and I can share some of that with you. And so I felt like back in January, very early, I started, a lot of people were sounding the alarm about this, but it just, it hadn't gotten so widespread in the US. And so basically what happened was China discovered this Wuhan virus. And, you know, the truth is we don't necessarily know exactly when it started in China, when they kind of started sounding the alarm was probably the last week of December, early January. And I think when you have global pandemics like this, one of the hardest parts is getting information. So while the U.S. is focused on the issues and the domestic issues at hand, you know, we're dealing with things other China and South Korea, we're already dealing with this. And as the information kind of trickled out, that's why you're seeing recently, I would say the last three weeks, it'd be a, a lot bigger focus in the U.S. because we were realizing that even though we banned, we stopped travel to China in January that could have been too little too late. Like I was, you know, I was telling Sarah, I think it's great that we did that so early. Just today, Canada and the UK and Germany and France, like they're just stopping their travel to China. Italy hadn't stopped their travel to China. So I think a little bit that helped us. Is that going to stop the outbreak? Absolutely not. Because the truth is, I mean, I'll give you an example for me. I had a conference in Los Angeles in January and I flew there And that was right when the cases were starting to come out in the U.S. And I was like, I even, I think I texted you, Sarah, and I'm like, man, I'm probably going to get this. Like I have to, you know, like I think I'm like literally, you know, I'm in LAX right now. Like this is where the U.S. outbreak kind of started. And I landed and I'll tell you, I was pretty sick for three weeks. And I, and I would tell my friends, I'm our friend who rarely ever gets sick. And I remember being like thinking to myself, like, wow, now I kind of feel like I had the symptoms, like maybe... I did have it, but that just goes to show you that we didn't even have the education around this to even think it could have happened back then. So I think that we're all trying to get a handle on, you know, how long has this been here? You know, where are all the outbreak, you know, the big outbreak places in the U.S.? I think now, you know, we're doing more testing for it and we're doing things like that. So the case number is going to spike. But yeah, Sarah, to your point, I think just the last few weeks, there's been an influx of information. And it's kind of like, I mean, even me, I'm like, whoa, people send links here. There's fake texts going out saying they're nationwide lockdown. There's this. And so from my perspective, and one of the reasons I think it's good we do this podcast and focus some time on the podcast around this is just because you're like us. No one really knows the full truth. And so if we can kind of show from a day to day what we're hearing from the recent CDC websites or just what we're talking about, I think it can help everyone. Now, with that said, I kind of gave my two cents where I think we did ban travel early. It's still not going to stop it. And Sarah has been kind of educating our friends on what, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard about this curve, like this curve, how do you flatten the curve? Meaning how do we hit our peak 
number of cases as opposed to how many cases, how many cases we're testing, how many we confirm, and how many, unfortunately, deaths there could be. But how do we flatten that so that we can mitigate the spread? So, Sarah, why don't you take a few minutes and kind of talk to us? Because I know you, Sarah's done more research than anyone I know on this. And <laughs> that might be a good jump off point just to give people an idea of what we're dealing with with this quarantine, so to speak. Yeah, it's actually funny you say that because I have never in my life been one of those people who like digs deep into (laughs) anything like this that's going on in any, even at the beginning of it, when we were planning our vacation to Aruba, when this all started to rise up as a potential issue, I was right there with everyone else being like, it's just sounds like it's a bad flu I'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's it's not in our lives or in our world yet. And so we weren't really thinking about what this could look like yet. And honestly, I don't think anybody here, maybe people who had been really, really, really digging into it and following it knew, knew beforehand, but I think Italy and when things broke out in Italy really badly, that's when I started to pay closer attention because suddenly... Italy is in a countrywide lockdown and the cases are escalating at an absurd rate, doubling each day type of thing. And suddenly something that seemed like it was relatively contained was not contained anymore. And so that's when I started to kind of shift my perspective. And the other thing that happened kind of around that same time frame is, like you said, I had been working you know, and part of the reason why we had taken a break from the podcast for a little bit is both of us were really, really busy at work. I had, I was planning an event that was actually supposed to start today <laughs> and in Orlando. And it was just a, a lot of work. It was probably, you know, 14 hour days for two months, basically, that I, I had already put into this. And all of a sudden, we made the call, not all of a sudden, but like two weeks ago, canceling the event felt a little aggressive to me. I won't lie. I remember saying, yeah, I knew this was coming. I had a feeling this was coming. It still seems maybe like we're overreacting a little bit, but at the same time, I don't want to be responsible for causing an outbreak in the US or, you know, pulling people together. So let's be safe. Let's cancel all that. So I was on board with it. But even two weeks ago, I was still a little bit like, huh. What really flipped the switch for me was I read an article about what you just talked about, this whole flattening the curve concept, which was, yes, like today, this is not something that's in our face necessarily. It is not, we're not seeing massive cases in the U.S. yet. We're not seeing a large number of deaths, deaths in the U.S. yet. But what we will see very soon is what Italy is seeing, which is it started out the same way. And then this massive explosion because people who were infected but not showing symptoms yet were just running a running amok, you know, and didn't realize they were sick, but spreading symptoms. People like you just mentioned before, who maybe felt not well, but didn't realize what they had, mm-hmm. were not not taking the types of quarantining measures that they should have probably been. And so suddenly, what you get is this huge number of people who get infected very quickly, 
but don't show symptoms right away, continue to spread. And then all of a sudden you get this massive spike. And so that's the, that's like the peak, the spike that hit all of the Italian hospitals, which is now causing like an absolute overwhelm of Italian hospitals where they cannot keep up with the number of severe cases coming in. So people talk about, you know, this is not very severe, 90%, 97% of people recover, only, you know, 80% of people don't even really get it that bad. Those are all, those are all true statements. However, what, what the issue is, is that if a lot of people, hundreds of thousands, millions of people get this at once, the number of severe cases is going to be far too many, even at a small percent, for our hospitals to manage. And so when that happens, the mortality rate, which is normally pretty small, suddenly triples or more. And then suddenly a flu that really isn't that fatal becomes fatal very quickly because then doctors are forced to make decisions between people because there's not enough equipment, there's not enough doctors. That's that's the issue. And so when they talk about flattening the curve, it's rather than a whole bunch of people getting it really fast and overwhelming the system, the same number of people might get it, but it'll be over a much longer period of time. So the, the dilemma comes in and the sucky part for all of us comes in where rather than it be over quickly-ish, you know, maybe six weeks or something, it's going to probably go on for several months because we are taking the precautions to not overwhelm our system. It sucks for us because it means longer periods of social isolation, longer periods of quarantine, lockdown, all of that stuff. But what it means is that there will be a far lower death rate overall if we can slow it down, flatten the curve for hospitals. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good explanation. (laughs) But I think I want to add in here that we had a problem because our CDC and our testing was not set up for a pandemic like this. It it was set up so that might have a one-off. You might need hundreds of tests, not thousands of tests going up. So we had, we were even on a two week delay where we could have been testing people. You know, now they've, they've gotten two more commercial tests available. And what I mean by commercial tests is a lot of other countries were using commercial tests, but we had a lot of regulations, you know, stopping us from using certain tests. But as I'm sure a lot of you are hearing, the FDA waived those. They basically went through approvals this past weekend to be able to get you know, more commercial tests out for us. And the other big concern, and I agree with Sarah, I think what what I'm looking for, and and Sarah, you know this because I've said it, but I think the nerve wracking thing is our supply chains that are unfortunately in China. Like a lot of it has to do with our medical supply chain. So let alone like respirators and ICU beds, like we're talking just equipment. Like we're just, we're talking even just medicine um, to bring back. And so I think you're seeing a change now where, people who manufacture, I think they, the press conference today, they said Honeywell and three in Minnesota, like they just got approval to be able to produce masks, which normally we wouldn't use. But in this situation, we can go from having a shortage of masks for people to 30 million within a week. And so it's those steps that we were kind of lacking on at the beginning, but I think we're now getting the right approvals in place to be able to start really addressing this. But to Sarah's point, Now that we're testing and we're doing the drive-up tests where you can go to a Walgreens or a Target and drive up and get your tests in the car and the results go through and it's automated, 
we're going to see a huge number of case spikes. Like, and so don't be alarmed by that because that's actually what we want. We want people to get tested and so that we can get accurate data as, as to how long do we actually have to do this, you know, social distancing or working from home. But until we have like, you know, at least 15 to 16 days of good data, you know, I agree. I think these steps are necessary. And one other thing I wanted to add that Sarah talked about was, and I can tell a little bit of a kind of an interesting side story to it. She was working day and night on this event and I would rightly so you were disappointed when they canceled it a couple weeks ago. But I'll tell you this, one of my customers here, it was the, had their annual, their pharmaceutical company, they had their annual conference here and 75 people left infected. And for Massachusetts, they were the breakout center because they had their event and we had enough. Yeah, tests. they're still, and I don't necessarily agree with this practice. I think it's a little unfair to keep calling it out. Like we get it, but every time Boston releases a new count of number of cases, they keep saying, and this is the number linked back to that one yeah. event. And I'm like, I, I get it. But yeah. at the same time, it's, it's very skewed because they're not testing. And yeah. so now they're focusing all their testing on the people linked to that one event. Yeah. But the reality is that there are way more cases out there right now in Boston and in the U.S. that we don't know that aren't confirmed because we haven't been testing enough. And to keep pinpointing this one company, I actually feel like it's a little unfair. Yeah, I mean, they're they're feeling it. Like, I mean, you guys know I'm in cybersecurity. Like, we have a meeting with them tomorrow. Like, they're not only taking brand recognition hits, they're going to have to redo, which most companies will, that have to redo their projections and redo their budgets for the year and in this, but they're taking extra heat for it. Um, and so they're going to have to reevaluate a lot of their strategies as it, you know, as it comes to a lot of things. And so it's, it's, it's really real. Um, and the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit is, you know, I, you know, I think I agree we need to take, you know, precaution. I think gyms and my gym just closed today um, for a few weeks. I think, you know, the social distancing and working remote is a good thing. Um, but you know what I think about, I'll give you a real time example. Um, I got a text from one of the co- my the coaches at the gym who I'm really good friends with. And she said, Hey, you should go rent a bike because what our gym's doing is they're, they, they don't want people to suspend their membership because that's how they get revenue. But originally everyone started suspending their membership. So they were like, Hey, don't do that because we pay our full-time coaches with that. But if you guys want to rent the, keep your memberships open, rent equipment, and then you guys can bring it back when we reopen, which I think was a phenomenal way to kind of get around this. But you know, I think I was talking to my friend who's a coach and, and right now they're not going to be back paying her, you know, fully and her and her husband, you know, they make a good living, but not a, you know, they're not by any means, I would say rich or anything like that. They also are paying for their own wedding in September. And now with like her kind of maybe loss of income for the next few weeks, like, you know, they're a little worried about paying for their wedding. And, and when she was telling me this, like, I, I, I didn't even think of that. I, and, I, and I did think about small business, like, you know, but when you have a friend who is telling you how directly impacted they are um, from it, and, you know, I'll, I'll talk about my brother-in-law. He is a, you know, he's a plumber and he, and he does heating and oil, the whole thing. He works for an actual corporation, but he does a lot of side jobs where, you know, now that's that extra revenue is not going to be coming in. And even, even the calls to have people come in has been dying down the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I think that 
while it's important to social distance and, you know, all that stuff, there's a lot of people that, you know, are going to be hurting from this. And I think it's important to remember like that if everyone can kind of follow the rules for the next, I, I hate to say that because I'm definitely, I mean, I, I'm a little against, you know, everyone telling you what to do all the time, but you know, the quicker that we respond as a country and, and, you know, follow these guidelines of social distancing, working from home, stay out of the public, like stay out of the bars, like the, the sooner we can get a handle on when this will happen and we can start helping and making whole some of the people that are going to be losing income from this, because, you know, that's, that's the sad part. And you, and I personally, my life, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, isn't going to change that much because a lot of the stuff I can do, I can do remotely with customers remotely. And we do do that. Um, so, you know, I, I think that really put into perspective with me what we're really facing. You know what I mean? It's like those, I don't know, it hit me hard when she's like, yeah, we're thinking about the wedding and I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just, I didn't expect her to say that. Um, yeah, I think, I think similarly, you know, I'm in the same situation as you. We both work for similar types of companies where we're used to working from home when and if we want to or need to. So for me, it's basically it's kind of, to me, it's partially ironic and funny because a few years ago I was working from home all the time. And then my company made the mandate (laughs) back into the office, which I have fought and been annoyed with and kind of, I've fought it less over the the last few years, but initially I was just, I don't get it. You know, what's the point? This is silly. Um, But now being forced kind of back into full-time work from home, I'm like, oh, I miss like my team and I don't (laughs) like being home every day. (laughs) Like, yeah. so I'm kind of like, oh, you know, what about my plants in the office? You know, are they going to die now because I forgot them there? But, you know, I don't miss the commuting. But what you're saying is exactly true about not everyone has the luxury of being able to just take their job and transplant it into their living room or their home office. And I think there's going to be very, very painful repercussions for people. But it's really it's inspiring and it's hopeful to see that so many people in the community are really trying to come together to help in any way that they can, whether it's providing job opportunities or starting up GoFundMe's or whatever it might be to help. You know, you see people ordering delivery and takeout to kind of help those restaurants and businesses stay alive at some level. You see people doing like what you said with the gym, you know, trying to keep the gym alive and, and continuing to go. You see people giving recommendations like, you know, if you can't go to your hair salon or something, buy a gift card so that at least they're getting that income. You're going to use it eventually, but at least in the meantime, they have some income coming in to kind of keep them going. And so I think all it's, it's imperative for all of us to think about, not only how can we help from a place of service in our communities, you know, are there elderly people in your community that need help because they're in a vulnerable population and they need help to just get groceries and it's not safe. It's less safe for them to go outside than for you to go outside type of thing. Um, And we can talk a little bit about not to completely transition out of this, but um, the idea that a lot of, you know, millennials and people younger than us, you know, teenagers or kids in their 20s or (laughs) 30s, like this idea, well, the potential for me to be seriously impacted by coronavirus isn't high, I'll be fine. 
leads people to do riskier behaviors like go out and go to bars. And part of the reason that it's taken such extreme measures is because so many younger people aren't recognizing that the issue isn't whether they will survive this. It's who will they spread it to that maybe will not survive it. And so I think that that is another piece of it that is important to talk about because I think that that has been what from at least my scouring of social media on, on a regular basis between Twitter and (laughs) Facebook and, and Instagram, a lot of what's been really frustrating to see is that people still are going into huge crowds. They're still going and acting as if this is not happening. And it's frustrating because like I'll use myself as an example, I stayed home all weekend and didn't go out and didn't go into big crowds and, you know, other than getting like a drink or two in like, you know, not very busy places on Friday, I like didn't really go out or do anything. And then I talked to my, my dad on <laughs> Sunday and he's like, oh, I went to church and I did this. And I'm like, you did what? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like me, the non, non-vulnerable population stay at home because I'm trying to do what's you know, good for the the larger community. And you are out, you know, exposing yourself unnecessarily when you're the part of the population that we're trying to protect, right? And so it's, it's, I think it's just important that everybody recognizes their part in all of this, even though it's not convenient for everybody. Yeah. And I think like, I I mean, (laughs) I think that they probably wouldn't have gone as far as to say like, you know, the bars can't, restaurants can only do delivery, but the pictures from the weekend were pretty outrageous. Like, I mean, I was even surprised, like, I mean, we're, Sarah and I obviously live in Boston. So, you know, it was St. Patrick's Day weekend. And while the parade was canceled, I mean, there were lines out the door all weekend at places. And I think, you know, there are people standing in line at like 9am to get into bars at 10am yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's when specifically our governor kind of stepped in and said, okay, we can't open these if people aren't going to take them seriously. And trust me, I am the, the last, I am like the last person who would ever agree with the government telling us what we can and cannot do. Trust me. But I mean, I think that, you know, this is out of the norm. And I think that the more we just follow, I think if we just follow the guidelines of the experts that we can, you know, mitigate it, I would rather, I mean, I would rather the first week of April be good to go than rather May, you know, like if we don't do it right now, it's going to keep adding and adding until we can hit that peak and get the most accurate data. I mean, I think we've already sent, we've already been the the numbers today. I mean, this, you can, the number of cases have even gone up already. Um, and yeah. the, the other thing, they will. they'll go up exponentially. Oh, huge. We're, we're like right at the bottom of the curve right now. And that's, I think, I think people under, are beginning to get more educated about it and understand that just because we take these measures now doesn't mean three days from now it's going to be gone. That means when the worst of it comes, because it still is, it's not going to be as bad as it might have been if we hadn't done anything. And so I think like, people are going to see everything that comes and be like, Oh, see, none of it worked anyway. But the reality is like, we're not really going to see the impact of it. And that's the unfortunate thing probably. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty rough. And I mean, I was, so I was traveling for work all last week and, you know, I was with a bunch of you know, people in my profession, we were getting certified on a couple of new solutions we have. And, you know, we were following it, but we were also in training from seven 30 to five 30 every day. And then, 
you know, we'd have things at night and no one was really taking it seriously until half the class was from the UK. And then, you know, their uh, travels, uh, you know, are from Europe and have their travels about to get banned. And then, you know, I would say the, the, from Monday to Thursday just was night and day on how, you know, the response and how serious, um, this is going to be. And I, and I was supposed to have a meeting on Monday, like today on site somewhere. So I was going to stay the weekend and we got special approval, but by Thursday, us and the company, it was like, no, this is a hundred percent virtual. They called me at 10 PM, like nine thirty PM Thursday night. This is our company's travel agent said, you know, you're, you're booked these tickets under the company. We cannot have you out there. Um, we're, we're putting you on a 5.45 a.m. flight tomorrow back to Boston. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I was like, I thought, you know, I got approval to stay. I, you're telling me to go now. So I was like, no worries. And I'll tell you, when I got to the airport, you know, it, it was surprising how like empty flights and, and things like that. And, you know, I think I landed and I just felt like it was Armageddon, you know, because I hadn't been in where I'm from. Like I'd been literally in kind of a incubator, you know, little bubble for like almost eight days at the, or seven days at this point. Yeah. And I, like when I got out of the cab and like to my place, I, I felt like you could hear a pin drop and I didn't have, you know, I had some frozen foods and stuff, but I like most likely all I really needed was deli, turkey and cheese. Cause that's usually what I eat. Um, and even that was, uh, that was completely gone. And so I think it didn't hit me what was really, kind of going on until like I left, you know, when I left Texas on, on Friday morning because it just, you know, it's, it's, it's scary to like see, you know, your community that you, that or your day to day to, you know, it's, it's just, it's disruptive to a point you wouldn't even realize, you know what I mean? It's just like not seeing, you know, the people you usually, I mean, I usually see a lot of, you know, elderly or older people at the dog park, for example, like I brought Abe today, it was empty and, and like usually, and I don't blame them because if they're a little elderly, like they don't want to be out. I don't blame them. You know, like they don't even want to be out walking. And I just, you know, I think it, I, it really hit me just how much, you know, this is going to change our lives for a few weeks. And um, I think, but uh, with that said, I've come around a lot more after being back and being home and living my normal life that I'm realizing, okay, these are the right precautions because we have to protect, you know, we have to protect everyone who's vulnerable, not just the ones who aren't. So yeah, I, yeah, I, no, and I think I think everyone has kind of you know other than a few people that I know who from the kind of from the beginning have been like this is going to be significant and have not wavered on that. I think a lot of people, you know, when I say the beginning, I mean back well over a month or so ago when this wasn't really concerning for us in any way yet. You know, when we went to Aruba the week of what was it February eighth. This was kind of like we had an extra check at security, but nothing. Like, could you imagine if we had known yeah. that this was coming? <laughs> no, I mean, they, I mean, but I mean, even, but even then it was like, you know, like we, yeah, I mean, it just, it got really serious really fast. And really I mean, fast. any, any place, I mean, I mean, can't, I still like, sometimes I'm like, I can't believe we were actually like traveling there. Um, but you know, any, it, let's be honest, any big city or any air, any area that has a lot of international business, a lot of international travelers, like, you know, from our perspective, Boston is a huge international business hub and a huge international airport. And for, to not even have a grasp on it. And the first cases where it's now being, 
you know, release that the first cases were actually found in China in November. Like, can you like think about all the Christmas travel? Think about or the holiday travel. Like, just think about yeah. all the things we didn't know, or or how many people actually had it in January and February, but didn't even know that it was going to be a thing, and then just thought it was a head cold or a flu. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be, oh, I was going to say pandemic, but it is pandemic. So <laughs> it's definitely, it's be a uh, thing. It's I think we can agree. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Sarah and I, so we're going to, um, have still, you know, go forward with some of our other guests, but we also, we think it's important to kind of, you know, remember, as Sarah said in her opening, like this moment in time and, you know, really document it because, you know, in a you know, in a while, we'll, we can look back and kind of be like, "Wow, this is what it was like during however long, you know, this lasts." So I think we'll probably be posting. We're going to try to record several, just maybe not as long as this one, but you know, giving an update on you know what's going on in business, like you know how are things being impacted, just so we can have kind of I hate to say historical record, but really just a real time record of you know what everyone's been going through, um, you know, with this and you know, for people who listen to this, like more, I know we say it all the time, we're probably going to have some of our, you know, friends or some people come on with us and talk about some of their experiences that what they've been going through at work. Cause I think, like we said, every profession's been a little different and this is affecting different people, different ways. And so if there's anything that, you know, we're going to obviously talk to our guests about this when they are on so that, you know, we can get their feedback and, you know, get their two cents on it. But if there's anything, you know, we, you think, we're missing are important, like, like leave us a message in or leave, you know, shoots, you know, Sarah on, on our Instagram, shoot us a note because, you know, we're all in this together and we kind of wanted to do this the next few weeks for everyone. Yeah. And I think to that point, like we're really at the beginning of what's going to be a very long road, really our self quarantining, our isolation, all of that stuff. I think really is only, has only been effective when it comes to your work life, when it comes to how serious it's about to get, probably, you know, this weekend, right? And so I think as time goes on, it's going to start impacting different areas of life in ways that we don't really know yet. I mean, think of what it's going to be, you know, talking about dating in a world where you can't leave your house or, <laughs> you know, how does this impact family life? How does this impact you know, relationships over time when you literally have to stay in close quarters for as much as eight weeks or something. We don't know yet. We don't know what the bigger impacts of this will be on jobs and how you do your job and mental health when it comes to employees who are locked in their houses all day. Um, you know, and just trying to provide from our perspective things that maybe might be helpful or might work for us or how to manage working from home, and if you haven't done it before, stuff like that, so that we can kind of talk through what is this, ha- you know, entry-level pandemic, right? <laughs> this is entry-level for every single person who's facing it right now. We haven't faced anything like this in our lifetime. So we're all kind of figuring it out together. And I think it'll be an interesting time when we get past it to be able to look back and say, wow, I can't believe we went through that I can't you know yeah <laughs> it'll be interesting stories to share of quarantine life for sure and so it will be interesting to hear different perspectives on how to manage it you know what, what's different when it comes to 
being isolated with your family versus being alone type of thing and, and different challenges. Or that. having your family not want to isolate with you like mine. <laughs> My family yeah. doesn't want me anywhere near them because they're afraid because I flew on Friday that I am infected, even though I don't think that's the case. But, you know, you got to respect you have to respect what they say. So like, as of now, I can't go see my family, but we'll see. We'll see. If, we'll see if that changes. What's the one thing before, before we close this, this out, what's the one thing that you absolutely made sure you stocked up on in event of social isolation? Um, well, so I, so I'm, I have, I do have gym memberships, but I have a home. Um, I do kind of have a home gym set up because like a lot of the time I am traveling or I'm remote and I can't really, you know, get to the gym, but I wanted to make sure that I had, you know, everything that I was going to need from that perspective. And then I would say, um, well, I'll just admit it. Um, food, <laughs> food wise, I did do a bulk, uh, purchase of a lot of alcohol just in case. Um, I did, I stocked up on the red wine, the rosé. I got a couple of cases of the, you know, the hard seltzers, got a little uh, Johnny Walker black just in case I have, you know, because we can still have groups of under 10. So like, I didn't know, you know, in case a couple of people came over and then food wise, I was, I'm a big deli turkey person. So I have about two, two pounds of deli turkey and two pounds of American cheese. And I think that, and some eggs. So I made sure I had those three things and I think I'm good to go. What about you? Yeah, I definitely made some purchases this weekend. I got, like, from your recommendation, I got the adjustable Bowflex yep. dumbbells. They're so awesome. ready. That was one thing, especially if we can't even work out outside or go for runs or anything. I, I can't not work out for two months or something. You know, that's that would yeah. drive me absolutely insane. And so I, I got a few home gym essentials that will help me get through hopefully. Um, and then food wise, I definitely, well, I bought like a huge cart and a goldfish, but <laughs> I bought it, like, I bought it 10 days ago. And so it's now gone. So I'm really hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that the Peapod delivery service doesn't get canceled because they're coming on Thursday and I have another one. No, that I think the delivery, I think they're going to be <laughs> upping delivery. I think I think they'll try to move. I'm hoping this is just a Lindsay prediction moment, but I'm hoping that they take some of the hourly employees and maybe help them move into some type of like delivery stocking, you know, like be able to still like utilize them. I'm hoping, but anyway. Yeah. And I think even grocery stores will stay open despite any lockdowns because obviously it's an essential thing. And so the goldfish and then I I have like a sweet tooth. And so normally when I'm in the office, I don't keep a lot of sweet stuff at home because in the office we have like free candy all day. And so I'll usually have a few things at work and maybe take a few (laughs) home for later. But now I need to make sure I got my stock. So I got like some Cadbury eggs. (laughs) I might grab grab a few more, you know, little candy since Easter's probably canceled, you know. I know. It's some fun candy. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I have to get, I love the, um, the Reese's yellow eggs, you know, like the, I love those, the the Reese's eggs. They're my favorite. So those are so good. Yeah. Guys, so we're we're in this with you. We just want to be able to kind of talk through this and so that way maybe we get some better ideas and just share information that we think is relative. But um, we really we're really glad to I mean I'll speak for both of us, but we're both we're really glad to be back and we're excited to kind of 
get this year kicked off and not just about the pandemic, which a lot of the episodes will be about, but also we have, like Sarah said, we have some great guests lined up for you and just really glad to be back. And thank you for listening. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, if we're all sitting at home together, let's all learn something new together. Share with us your favorite podcast. We can give them a listen. Or if you have suggestions for guests we should have on, let us know. I feel like everyone's going to want to be doing things to break the boredom. So absolutely. especially hashtag, hashtag break the boredom. Break the boredom. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> the funny thing is we're on day one. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Day one. Guys, day one. Break the boredom. Break the boredom. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, guys.